Hello, welcome to The Measured Pencil. I'm Stephen Murray, and I'm here as always with pencil magnet Wes Nelson. Hi! How are you doing today, Wes? I'm doing excellent. I'm excited about our guest today. Me too, me too. So for those of you, if you're just joining us, a couple episodes ago, we were somewhat confused by an Amazon reviewer who criticized the Stetler All Black because it didn't fit the Stetler Pencil Sharpener. And Wes and I were both dumbfounded as to why anyone would need to sharpen a mechanical pencil. And we've had countless off-air conversations over what this could possibly mean. Yeah. And the only idea we could come up with is that it's a drafting thing. So this episode, we're doing our due diligence and we're bringing in a guest, a draftsman and an artist to help shed some light on the problem. But in doing our due diligence, we may have answered our own question. The confusing Amazon review was for the Stetler all black mechanical pencil. But in researching drafting and drafting pencils, we noticed there's also a lead holder the Stetler all-black lead holder, which looks almost identical. So I went back to our reviewer to make sure that it wasn't our error. The review is listed under the all-black mechanical pencil, but the review referenced a 2-millimeter lead size, which is the size of the lead holder. So we're thinking that the reviewer may have listed their review under the wrong pencil, but we're still going to talk to our guest to get some clarity on how a draftsman or an artist uses a pencil. Yeah, because we're inquisitive and we want to make sure that we are understanding, you know, as much as we may come across as experts, I think it's very apparent how how wise and sage we are. We want to make sure we actually talk to a real expert. So, so joining us today in studio is Keith Pitts. Keith is a visual artist as well as a theater set designer where he uses his drafting skills and knowledge, drafting with both AutoCAD, I'm assuming, uh, no, I'm a, I'm a dinosaur. I still do everything by hand. Completely by nice. hand. His work has been performed in Chicago, Milwaukee, Door County, Texas, and beyond. You can check out his work at keithpittsart.com or on Facebook at the E.E. E. White Art Gallery. That's also Instagram, too. Oh, also on Instagram. What's your Instagram handle? E.E. E. White Art 42. He also recently had a year-long painting project, The Mass Shooting 2022, recently presented at Arts Prize on display in the Fountain Street Church Gallery in Kalamazoo, Michigan. Please welcome to the show, Mr. Keith Pitts. Hey, Keith. Hi, thanks for having me. So, Keith, we really need to know, when you're doing your drafting work, are you using a mechanical pencil? Well, I think that mechanical pencil is kind of a catch-off for certain types of pencils that you load lead into. So I often use multiple types of pencils. I don't just really stick to one type. When I draft, I use lead holders. And so to most people who don't know what they look like, they could end up looking like a mechanical pencil, which I have here. And so they look very similar. And I know that I'm I'm showing visuals on a on a podcast, which is silly, but being a visual person, It's kind of hard to avoid, but they look almost the same. And you can Mm -hmm. see that they look almost identical if you just don't pay attention to them. But a lead holder, what's great about a lead holder is is that it allows you to to load in different pieces of lead at different hardnesses into the holder. Whenever I sharpen it, I use a sharpener. Um, This is the, I have a very old school one that I use now. This is like, by the looks of it, from like the 60s, 50s or 60s. And what that does is I insert it down into the, it's called a lead pointer. Hmm. I I insert it down into lead pointer and I turn it and that sharpens the the lead. I can pull it out. I can take all the graphite residue off. 
and then I slide most of the lead back up in it, and I have a nice sharp point, and my my lead reduces in size, but the the actual thing that I hold on to uh, to use the lead doesn't reduce in size like a wooden cased piece of lead does. So that's what lead holders do. And so you would sharpen them. And I've actually run into that problem that some of the lead uh, pointers, um, I wish I had one here that I could give a visual to both of you, but some of the more, let's say, affordable lead pointers, sometimes I can't get my lead holders all the way down in them. Like, especially when I'm crossing brands and it can be frustrating. And sometimes if they have them, they have interchangeable like little collars that will allow for bigger lead holders to insert and for you to, to be able to use it. Is that because of the mechanism is because it's a clutch versus a, like a click or a knock type mechanism that it won't let enough lead out in order to sharpen it or? Oh, no. If I take this apart and again, I wish I could show more people uh, visuals, but I'll try to describe it. When I take the tip off, it kind of has this little claw thing. Oh, sure. That when I push it, and what that does is that opens up and that allows for that lead to be slid right in. And then okay. when I let go of the tip, it, it clamps down on it. And whenever I want to, the, the fancier of these, the more expensive ones, because they can run from like seven to about $30 a piece, depending on how fancy you want to get with them. And the fancy ones, like the ones that, I, that I'm showing the two of you, when I push it, it pushes it out nice and where the the ones that are kind of a little bit more cost efficient it just really opens up that claw and i just have to slide the lead in and out so it's more of a a manual adjustment there uh on on the piece so unlike a, a standard mechanical pencil where you click it not not all lead holders function that way but it looks like it should. And you don't load the lead from the back like you would a, a standard mechanical pencil. Oh, okay. You always load it from the writing end or the drawing end. So based on that scenario, the review that we found, what do you think the issue was with that person being unable to sharpen it? I think that they might have not known to to call it a lead holder instead of a mechanical pencil. So it ended okay. up being put under the blanket term of mechanical pencil. And I think that it depends, like I would have to look at their lead pointer and their lead holder to see, because if, if it's the same brand, you would think that they're making them to fit uh, exactly. Um, so so that's the weird thing, like they're saying it's a Stadler lead uh, pointer and a Stadler lead holder, it should fit. But like if you're crossing over brands, sometimes that happens. Like they make a, a blue one, like a, a plastic blue one, and they're very affordable. Like whenever I teach drafting to students, that's usually what I have them get. And sometimes like some of the, the lead holders won't fit in that. Interesting. It can be frustrating, but it's, you know, whatever. How often do you find yourself needing to get yourself a new point going or to sharpen it or true up the point? Oh, you know, it, it all depends on how you're taught. I was taught that after every 10 lines that I draw to sharpen my, my lead. I push it a lot further because it gets a bit tedious, like every 10 and I don't, and I actually don't count. Like I'm not like one line, two lines, yeah. three lines, you know, but what I, what I do to, to maintain it is there's a little drafting trick that as you draw a line, you slowly spin the entire lead holder. Oh. Along. And so what that does is that keeps you drawing on the, the same point instead of just on one side where it flattens out. That's interesting. That makes a lot more sense. We reviewed a pencil that, as an automatic lead advancement mechanism. Yeah. I think it's probably designed for that very thing where it keeps the, the tip sort of universal. Yeah, and you, and you slightly roll it as you go. So is that is the line thickness consistency 
a very important issue in your trade? Oh, absolutely. You know, line weight is a huge thing. It's, it's actually something that you see that a lot of people who don't have not been trained as hand drafters and they go over and they start using uh, CAD or Vectorworks for their drafting that they don't understand the importance of line weight. And so they produce drawings that all of the lines look the same. And so it really is. It's a what drafting is. It's a visual language. And so you're communicating a lot of information through different types of lines or different line weight. For example, uh, most of the drawings that I make, I lay it out lightly first. I, there's two ways that I do it. I either use a, a very hard layer, like a 4H or above, and lay it out very lightly so that I can just see it, but it, it doesn't really stand out a lot. If I'm not doing it with the hard lead, I use a, a non-photo blue lead, which I can buy for lead holders. And what that does is I can draw and I can lightly draw on it. And whenever I run copies off, the copy machine doesn't pick up the blue. The blue just disappears and only the graphite lines will show up. Wow. Yeah. And so it's nice because like I can, I can sketch and kind of do different things without having to worry about making a, a sloppy drawing. As I lay out the information, say I'm doing it in, in say, a 4-H, and I, I lay out what are called construction lines. So I, I Because I have to set up, I start with the blank piece of vellum, right? And so I, I set up the drawing from nothing. And so I'm having to lay out measurements. I'm having to draw down the foundation drawings, and I build it up. And then I go back in with a 2-H and really get a nice, clean, dark line. And it's also important, like, you, you don't want to start and stop with lines because that breaks the line, you know? Mm-hmm. In drafting, when you can communicate the height of something by a dash line versus a solid line, if you accidentally have a dash, it looks like you've broken the line. And is that on purpose or is that on accident? And so you always want to do one clean, solid mark so that it's nice and clean and as accurate as possible. Now, just for our our listeners, what you're talking, the different lead hardnesses, which one is kind of similar to your number two pencil? That's going to be HB. So the way that LEDs work is they, they run on a scale and HB's right in the middle. So that's hard and soft. And whenever I talk to students, you know, I say H stands for hard and B stands for butter. Because like when you get up into the 9B, those pencils are super soft and like lay down a really beautiful darkness and they feel really good going down on the paper. And so you go from HB, you go H. 2H, 3H, 4H, 5H, all the way up to 9H, and same thing with the B. So HB is right in the middle, and that's what is a standard number two pencil is that everybody grew up on. You mentioned vellum. What are some other materials that you draw on? Is Does the word bumwad mean anything to you? Except for a fantastic word, no. Um, <laughs> uh, no, I don't. I don't know if bumwad. You know, there are so many different types of papers out there, and I by no means uh, use them all or am a paper expert. I do use vellum. It's made out of cotton now. Hmm. Um, I always tell students it's, it used to be made out of baby lambskin, but we no longer do that. So, <laughs> and it's it's not made out of trees. It's a renewable resource, uh, cotton. So. Um, so, uh, but it's a nice translucent paper that I can keep layering pieces of vellum on top of each other and pull information from one drawing up to the next drawing. And that's what's really great. The other type of papers I use, you know, I, I love brown paper, but I like to tell students a lot of time with brown paper. I'm like, you know what? Everybody has to eat. And you go to the grocery store, you have a choice between paper bags and plastic bags. Just get paper bags and deconstruct that bag because that's beautiful drawing paper right there, you know. And it's it's affordable too, you know. I mean, the world that we live in, everything's being priced way high and out of range. And so finding those places that we can get free materials is, is often helpful. 
And then I have like oil paper, which is for oil painting. And, and I also use like chipboard and stuff like that. But That's awesome. I love the paper bag reuse. Yeah, it's a great tip. It's great. Like, so many people, they don't look at the world around them and see see how how we can use materials in interesting ways. We just, we just see it for what it's presented to us, like a paper bag, you know, paper bags are made out of paper. That's why they're called paper bags. Mm-hmm. All you have to do is do a little bit more legwork to deconstruct it. And there you have it, you know? Yeah. Trader Joe's is sending me home with at least two per bag anyway. So I might mm-hmm. as well use them. Yeah, man. If you like Prismacolors, you know, like colored Prismacolor pencils, have you ever used Prismacolor pencils? Mm-hmm. Oh man. Like the color comes off of them real nice. It's like soft and smooth and they're very blendable. That, goes well on that type of brown paper bag it looks really good that's a great transition what other what other kinds of pencils are you using when you're doing art as opposed to drafting so it's a good thing like so whenever i go to more my my studio art practice well i shouldn't say all the time because i've started bringing drafting into my studio art practice not as a construction drawing kind of mechanism but more of just making mechanical lines and putting lines together. And like I have a couple of drawings, uh, I'm very interested in this idea of, of what are called palimpsests, which palimpsests, it comes from uh, back in the days of manuscripts where vellum was very precious, the lambskin uh, sheets were very precious. And so they would scrape all the ink off and they would reuse the, the vellum and they'd write over it. But uh, you'd always have residual information that shine through the new information. It would have a ghosting effect. And so uh, I like this idea of I'll do mechanical drawings and then I'll just keep overlapping. And then I'll take some of that drawing away and then do a new drawing. You'll get this, the indentions from the actual physical lead being drawn across the, the vellum substrate. And that leaves an indention. And so the, the line never really goes away. It's always slightly there and I can just keep building different lines. So in my studio practice, I do I draft and, and make uh, uh, creations like that. But if I'm if I'm just doing drawing, I'll use um, wooden case pencils. Like I, I like the I can never remember names, so I always go off color. And so I'm like the green ones, which is Faber Castle, or the the blue ones, which is a Dick Blick Studio pencil, you know. And and so um, I use those or the Prismacolor wooden case pencils. Uh, I use a lot, but I like those because again, what the reason why I use use those is one, it kind of splits the type of drawing. Like when I'm doing mechanical pencils, I mean, mechanical drawing, I'm using a certain type of pencil. When I'm doing more organic, looser drawing, I go to a wooden case pencil. By using more of an artist pencil uh, for that, I can still control my the different types of lead that I'm using. But then again, I'll even use, uh, uh, what is it, Ticonderoga, mm-hmm. the yellow ones? Oh, yeah. Classic. Because I also do a lot of construction. That's the interesting thing about theater is I have all these disciplines. Like I became kind of a jack of all trades, you know, and whenever I'm building things, I'll just use those pencils because they're nice and standard and basic. And I know that the lead's good. What were those two mechanical pencils you held up earlier? Like the burgundy. This is an Alvin. And Alvin, these are actually drafting mechanical pencils that I have. Okay. I love these pencils. I love the idea of, of these mechanical pencils, but I have a heavy hand, and so I break these leads so often. Okay. It's often more frustrating to keep having to deal with me breaking the leads than just using uh, something with a thicker lead. That that's the main reason I don't I don't use mechanical pencils. You said you love the idea of them or the concept. Yeah, I love the way that they look. Oh, okay. Mechanical pencils look awesome. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. uh, And, and like you you can click them out and, and like, yeah, 
I just like that idea, but I put too much pressure. Like I, I think it's, I don't write up and down. I, I kind of go sideways. And so by pressing down sideways, it just puts too much, oh. you know, between, sure. between the lead and the little metal uh, piece where the lead comes out. Oh, Zebra would love to sell you a pencil. <laughs> oh, yeah. They have this one. We just reviewed it. It claims it has an unbreakable mechanism, but um, we've yeah. kind of refuted that. <laughs> Yeah, you broke it. Yeah, we broke yeah. it right away. Cool. Do you have another favorite mechanical pencil? No, I I like those those Alvin ones, the lead holders. Like I said, um, again, I know I wish I was the kind of person who could be like, use this brand, use this brand. But again, it's all <laughs> color for me. Like it's it's mm-hmm. because I'm a visual thinker. Everything is like, oh, go give me the red lead holder, you know. But but that is something that's interesting. The reason why I do have so many various colors and types of these lead holders is because i can color code the hardness of my lead nice so so i don't have to keep looking at it i can just look at the color and grab what i want and i can share a trick with you yeah that took me close to 20 years to learn oh i can't wait this is why people tune in this is the good stuff yeah we'll have to we'll have to go to a break and then we'll come back with this (laughs) if you're just joining us yeah So, so you ready for me to tell you, tell you what it is? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So the listeners won't get the visual, but on this Stadler, this is a box of lead. So up at the top, there's this little piece and you see this little yellow thing right here. Yeah. It coordinates with the color on the little label that says 4H and it's a little yellow mark. Now I never knew what that was. And the weirder thing is you can pull this little blue plastic thing down and dump this out. Right. Oh Ooh. Yeah. Okay, so it took me almost twenty years to figure out what this was for. Okay, what's it for? If you yes, exactly, Stephen already for those who can't see. So, so if you have the Stadler brand lead holder, you can then put it into the back and you color code what lead the lead holder. That's genius. It is genius, but it's like until you realize what it's for, (laughs) like I would be like, what? What is this even for? Like, (laughs) why do you? open what do i need this yeah you know oh that's awesome any other questions wes do you see a demand or is there been a a kind of cycle to you said you're you're a teacher right yes is drafting going away is it is it still like is it a lost art or where do you see it going where is it now that type of thing i think we need to distinguish between hand drafting and computer drafting i don't see drafting going away because we have to communicate how to build three-dimensional objects using a two-dimensional language i mean the computers have gotten so much better at 3d modeling that perhaps it all goes more to 3d modeling and i've worked with some people they 3d model everything then they can break it out into their drawings but hand drafting i think is definitely it's a dying art for sure because most people want to keep up with industry demands and and so whenever i do a hand drafting i have to actually physically make the drawings and you still do in the computer but i physically make the drawings i have to pull the vellum up off my table i go to i don't go to fedex office because they change charge way too much (laughs) they do they charge nine dollars a square foot nine dollars a square foot for 24 uh, inch by 36 inch drawing costs $27. I can go to my local blueprint place, which is Kablu Group here in Kalamazoo, Michigan. Shout out. And it costs the same size drawing cost me $3. Oh, oh, yeah. And so I don't go to that other place. <laughs> but so I had to do that. I had to I had to run off copies or I had to get it scanned as a PDF. And if I get scanned as a PDF, then I can email it out. But if I, I get physical copies, 
then I have to either mail it out or actually deliver it in person. And so, I mean, obviously, that's not how our our world really works anymore, where information is you want to pass it along as fast as you can. But I have really fallen in love with with hand drafting because like there there really is an art to it. Like I like you can hear the lead going down onto the vellum. You can feel it. Every drawing that I make, like I cannot, I can't cut and paste anything, you know, because in order to cut and paste something, I actually have to physically cut it out and actually paste it down onto another piece of paper. And so everything, like every show I go into, I, I don't have this, this thing that I just pull from and like, I used this in this show, you know, two years ago, and this is going to work fine. It's going to save me hours of drafting. I actually have to physically do it. And so, so I always say that with hand drafting, every line that I draw, there's intentionality behind it. Oh, I like that. And, and I hope not to, to lose it. I hope hand drafting doesn't go away. Uh, it just may shift how it's used. One of the things that I learned about going back to school for art is one of the things that artists do is when old technologies become outdated, artists sweep in and they take it over and they make it an art form. Oh, yeah. And, and like you see that with a lot of stuff, like a lot of art films may be done on film versus digital, you know, like the typewriter is something that becomes incorporated in art. Print press, you know, is, is incorporated into art making a little bit more. So I hope it doesn't go away. Have you ever seen um, ink drafting, like old ink draftings? Oh, they're some of the most beautiful drawings that I've seen. And and it's just those old time draftsmen that they drafted in ink. And if you make a mistake, you have to scrape it off. Mm. Wow. I remember um, at uh, both Stephen and I went to Northwestern. And so at Northwestern and and the design studio, they had uh, an old cross section like a center line section where you take a space and you cut it in half and you're looking at the entirety of the of the building from the side section of an old opera house and it was all done mm. in ink and it was just an incredible incredible drawing because of the artistry that went behind it a human being sat down and put pen to paper and created this it wasn't built up in a virtual world that's amazing yeah do you have a favorite eraser i like white the white vinyl erasers Okay. Uh, I think Alvin makes one. Stadler again. I don't always pay attention. Like I have tons of them. Tons of them. again. I'm giving you visuals oh. when we're on yep. a podcast. Uh, I also have an electric eraser that I use. I'll, I'll give you a visual of that. This is an electric. Oh, eraser. cool. For the listeners at home, it's almost like a little Dremel tool, but with a eraser. Yeah. And, yeah. And so I, I can slide just like a, a lead holder. I can slide lead up into it. I can slide a, a white vinyl eraser up there, or I can I can even put up erasers made for erasing ink in there, and I can just zip right across the drawing and take out a lot of information in a hurry. Cool. And my shoulder doesn't hurt. You know, I'm getting old. I'm almost fifty. Now. <laughs> Anything that saves a little joint pain. <laughs> Absolutely, Keith. This was fantastic. Thank you so much for being yeah, here today. Yeah, it was amazing. Again, this is Keith Pitts. You can find his work at keithpittsart.com, and he's on Facebook and Instagram. Thank you so much for being here today. Yeah, absolutely. It was my pleasure, and it was it was good seeing you, Stephen. We haven't seen yeah, you in a while. You need to catch up more. Yeah. And it was good meeting you, Wes. Yeah, awesome to meet you, man. Appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. All right, that's all the time we have for The Measured Pencil. Catch us next week. Bye. Bye. This was The Measured Pencil with Wes Nelson and Stephen Murray. Follow us on Instagram for more content and to see what the pencils actually look like. If you have a pencil that you would like us to review, 
Contact us through our ACAST page, and your pencil might be part of a future episode. And if you haven't already followed us, please click subscribe on your favorite place to listen to podcasts. 